Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lord, coming close to Jericho, surrounded by a crowd, passes by a blind man this morning. And the blind man wants to know what's going on. There's a huge hubbub. There's a multitude passing by. And they tell him that it is Jesus of Nazareth. He begins shouting, crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And we know as soon as he has said, son of David, that he realizes that this is not just Jesus of Nazareth, someone popular whom people want to hear. This is the Messiah. This is the son of David come to save. This is one of my favorite parts of the gospel where you have this blind man shouting on the side of the road and everybody around him shushing him saying stop you're making a scene we want to hear Jesus can you please be quiet I'm sure some people are embarrassed can you like really some decorum here they warned him that he should be quiet And what does the blind man do? You're right. I should be quiet. I can put, you know, my time in later with him and try to figure out, I mean, he's blind, right? Like, somehow I'm going to have to figure this out. Is that what he does? No. What does the blind man do? He shouts louder. The hair on the back of people's necks are probably raising. I'm just like, can this guy just stop? But who hears him? Jesus, and he comes to him, and he asks him, what do you want? He asks for his sight, and Jesus says, you may receive your sight, for your faith has made you well. The man blind, who will not shut up, who will not quiet down, who is shouting for the Messiah, is the one who is healed this morning. This blind man reminds me of what Paul has to encourage us in the epistle this morning. When he says, coming to the end of his epistle to the church in Ephesus, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The blind man knows what his problem is. He is blind. He encounters what he sees as the solution. Jesus Christ, the son of David, come. Does the blind man think that on his own he will be able to repair his eyes? Does the blind man think that he should let the opportunity go by him? No, the blind man shouts out, and when he's told be quiet, he basically strengthens his vocal cords and says, no, I'm going to shout louder. He's going to be strong in the Lord and the power of God. Not his strength, not his power, not his mind or abilities. Maybe he thought with money. Maybe all of us can think of the things in which We look to our own strength. I do with my money. 
maybe my family, maybe my insurance policy will cover that. My worthiness, my standing in the community, all the things that we turn to when we feel overwhelmed or when we realize that there's some part of our life that sits in darkness. We try to short circuit or figure out how we on our own energy, power, abilities can figure it out. But the blind man realizes he's blind and there's nothing that he can do about it. Facing blindness, the only way is God. The blind man cannot heal himself. And this is a constant fundamental truth that we must remember and we must nurture this memory that I cannot heal myself. I need Jesus Christ. As we go through the rest of Paul's admonition to his brethren in Ephesus, he tells them to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I think very often when we come to this passage about putting on the armor of God, that we very much think about all the things that we are supposed to do. The blind man, of course, he has to shout out. He has to reach out. But look at how Paul talks about this. Put on the whole armor of God. Whose armor are we to put on? God's armor. Think about as we celebrate this Feast of Theophany, as this is the last day of the feast, we have God on a mission to save us. A God in this feast, we have a foretaste of what God is willing to do in going into the depths of Hades, of hell itself, into death itself. That we have God, and throughout the Old Testament, we have the image of God who's going to fight for his people. God who puts on the armor and goes to war for his people. This is the Feast of Theophany. God himself. What is he going down into the waters to do? What lurks in the waters? The devil. The dragon. All of the darkness. We had a baptism yesterday before Vespers. And there is a lot of exorcisms at baptism. And it is very concerned with or focused on what may possibly be in the water. What lurks. What is around. What is, as Peter says, the devil who is going about like a roaring lion to eat us, to destroy us. But it is God who is on the mission. It is God who plunges into the depths. That is the armor that we're putting on. It's not our armor. Like this would be like cardboard armor if we're putting our armor on, right? We're going into battle and we look like we're going into Halloween or something, right? We're putting on God's armor. What God himself has given to us. Why do we need God's armor? Paul tells us, because we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Remember who your enemy is. Remember who our enemies are. It's not each other. And it's not the others. 
whether those who we disagree with politics about, those of other races, other nations, Yankee fans, or Alabama fans, right? These are not our enemies. Sorry, Ben. <laughs> That's all what the world wants to raise up and make us think that our enemies, but we wrestle with the rulers of darkness. Think of that. The rulers of the darkness. The spiritual hosts of wickedness. We are very used to thinking about and contemplating the angels and the host of angels. It's all through our humanity. Paul's talking about the spiritual hosts of wickedness that stand envious of you and who you are as God's creation and they seek nothing else but to destroy you and bring you down into their depth, to their darkness. They are seeking us every day, all the time. When temptation comes, when doubt comes, when despair comes, when it seems like the void is opening up before us, we all can relate to these assailing thoughts, and we have particular ones that they know to throw at us. This is who we're wrestling with. This is why we do not need our cardboard armor. We need God's armor. Paul tells us, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I find this very fascinating when we think about putting on the whole armor of God that makes us think that now, because there's a shield and a sword that's described here, that we're getting ready to like go out and conquer, right? What does Paul, does he say go forth and strike? What does he tell us to do? Put on the armor and do what? Loudest. Stand, right? That's a very different way of thinking about putting on armor and then we're just going to stand. And that all he tells us to do, having done all, we are to stand, to keep our ground, to not let the devil have an inch. We're not told to charge. We're not told to exert ourselves. We're not told to run ahead. We're not told to fight on our own. We are told to put on armor and stand firm. The image that comes to me when I think about this, and I am not a great Tolkien nerd, so uh, forgive my mispronunciations here, and I'm going to reference the movie. So again, mea culpa, okay? There's a great scene... Where the orcs are coming, let me look at it again. <laughs> Minas Tirath. You know, when you're watching the screen, you're like, orcs and, you know, okay, fighting. It's the very last movie. And you have Lord Denethor, you know, the tomato guy? You know what I'm talking about? He's in utter despair. He believes his son is dead. The orcs are starting their assault. And what does he scream out and tell everybody? Retreat. Run away. away. All is lost. What does Gandalf do? Stand. He bonks him on the head. You are correct. (laughs) (laughs) But he tells everyone, return to your post and stand. When the host of darkness, when the rulers of the darkness, the spiritual host of wickedness, are coming after us, we put on God's armor 
and we stand. Paul repeats this again in the next verse. Stand, therefore, having girded yourself, your waist with truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, your feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking a shield of faith with which you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the sword of God. When you are in the midst of thinking about all the temptations, when you're in the midst of temptation itself, remember the armor of God. If you need to visualize it, to remember that you have a belt of truth. And it's not your truth, it's God's truth. That you have been given a breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of God himself who has come to save us. That our feet are shod with all that God has done to prepare for the gospel of peace. That we have a shield of faith. And it's not faith in ourselves. It is something that we use as a defense because we have faith in God himself who defends us. Remember the Psalms again and again. I'm surrounded by tens of thousands, but I shall not fear. We have the helmet of salvation that our mind can contemplate and be shielded because we know that we can be and are being saved. And we have the sword of the spirit, which is what we think. That's the offensive weapon, right? You know, if you're in a phalanx, what is the offensive weapon that you typically have? A spear. What is the sword for? It's for basically defense up close, right? There is the sword of the spirit, which Paul tells us is what? What is the sword of the spirit? Yes, that's what it is. What is the sword of the spirit? The word of God. Thank you. The word of God. The demons know scripture. Remember when Satan tempts Jesus? He knows scripture. The fathers talk about this. The demons are very familiar with every nook and cranny of scripture. They know it. You and I, brothers and sisters, need to be adept. We need the sword of the spirit. This is our one weapon. This is how we train our minds and our hearts. It's how we grow in faith is to know what God has done for his people. It's part of the reason at the beginning of the gospel, it's kind of a throwaway line. Where is Jesus headed to? He's near Jericho, right? What does Jericho remind you of? Joshua, the conquest of Israel. Now, Think about what God tells Joshua and Israel to do with Jericho. You have the question of God is with us in fighting, but this is a really odd way to fight. We're not really fighting. We are parading around with the Ark of the Covenant for multiple days and we're blowing horns. And this is what God has told us. It reminds me of last week with Naaman. Like, if you have leprosy, go to the Jordan and wash yourself seven times. And Naaman's response, that's silly. We have nicer rivers where I'm from. But think about when we're in the middle of the fight, when we are wondering, where is God? 
in the midst of the fight. To remember Jericho. That it was on God's time and in God's way that he waged war to take down Jericho. That God is fighting for us and is with us even at times that we don't understand. But we need to be like the blind man who as soon as the crowd comes around, the assailing thoughts, when Jesus comes near, our conscience reminds us that we shout out to him and when the thoughts tell us, you're not worthy, stop. You don't need, like you can wait a week. You don't need to go to confession. It can be six, eight months. No, no, no. You need to shout out louder at that time. That is the time. That is when God is drawing near to you and he's just saying, just say yes. Just reach out. Cry out to me. It is God who has won the war. Everything else, this is just skirmishes. The hosts of the spiritual wickedness, the powers of darkness, the, it's done. They just want to destroy us. It is God who defends us. It is God's armor that he has given to us. Do not fear. Cry out to the Lord and stand firm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.